Tell us the story of your friend who set you up this really interesting gig up in Oakland. That one, I like that one because um, because I love my friend who hooked it up. You know, he set up the show. He's in the band. He's a producer, too. I won't name any names. You got to check out PressRewind.com. He's like, my coworker would like us to perform at a show. We're like, a show? And he's like, yeah, at his house. And we're like, at his house? All right, cool, like house party. He's like, yeah, um, yeah, he's going to have a bunch of people over, a bunch of friends over and stuff, But uh, and he wants you guys to come, and like you guys can totally invite your friends too. Um, but they're totally having, like, like they'll have a show, and actually they're going to have, I think, some other people performing, and then somebody else is going to, there's going to be like a speaker. And we're like, wow, okay, cool. And let's do it. And then, like, my buddy isn't, like, totally all about promoting it or anything. And we told a couple of friends, like, if you want to come. But mostly we were, like, kind of thinking respectfully. I mean, we got, like, a six-person band. We'll tell a couple friends each. And if they come, that's what is that, 12? Well, you know, if we tell more than a couple of people each, that's more than 20 people we show up. That's a little <laughs> disrespectful. Let's just do our thing and, and go. It's, so we show up. And a few of our friends show up, and really, we're the majority of the party. I mean, we show up, we're the majority of the party, and we're like, dang, we're early. And they're like, we're like, no, I mean, I'm talking about, this is really interesting, because we open up a cooler, and there is like a 12-pack of beer in there, and man, it might have been a six-pack. What was it? Well, immediately, we realized we had to go to the liquor store just for our band. We were like, <laughs> yeah. whoa. We're like, this is bad. We don't want to kill like the whole party's beer because what do people actually show up? And they're like, oh, no, there's no beer because the band is just like and drinking the six-pack. And we waited around for people to come. We realized, we were told that the other band wasn't going to come and that there was still going to be um, somebody who was still going to talk. And so we did a, we did set up our gear. We were having a few beers, having a good time. I mean, I think I blazed a joint in the back, just getting down. We were just relaxing. It seemed kind of comfortable, but very mellow. The thing about, well, it's going to be awkward when we perform for just like the homeowners and like two other people. <laughs> like, but while well, they're chilling, they're letting us drink the beer that we brought, plus their beer. And then, and then, so like you know, they're like, oh, "Okay, so we're ready for you to perform." But first, we're gonna have we better just do the talk and get it out of the way. And then suddenly, like the whole the speaker became a talk. And then we went inside, and there's a video playing, and and there there are people in Africa on the TV who needed us to send our diamonds to them or something like that. I just remember basically when it started, one of our bandmates knew what was up and was disgusted and got up. And I started, I became like a little bit aware of that. Like, what is going on? Why is she getting, what, what is, go-? and then, you know, like, why are we watching this? And we're like, hmm. And then like, so like half our band is outside and like, then they're inside and they're asking us basically, you know, if you could just send your diamonds, we'll just put them in this envelope and we'll send them back to, Sierra Leone, and then everything, you know, is good, and and we were like, what? And like, you know, and we, and I, I'm not gonna say we were wasted by that point, but we were like having our beers and ready to perform, and we were just totally flipped around, like we we're like, whoa, 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 we need to go outside and like do our set real quick, 
because we know we're not performing for anything, and we don't have any diamonds. Like none of us have any diamonds. <laughs> Why like, do you think they invited you if they, if you guys didn't have any diamonds? Yeah, like or like <laughs> I suddenly yeah, and we thought about it. I think afterward, and they maybe they thought like a lot of our friends. Maybe they thought you know because I'm really hyperbolic and I'm always screaming, I'm going platinum. You know, they're like <laughs> this guy is just like, geez, you know. Somehow he thought you had some money or some diamonds. Maybe yeah. the the hip hop culture, all the bling. All Maybe they thought you had some bling, and they were thinking our friends are just bling bling. And that <laughs> was, was no not bling. the case. That was not the case. <laughs> so and, did, uh, you, did you guys play the play the show? We did. We did do a few songs. There were tech man. There were technical difficulties. I got to tell you, <laughs> we were performing out on the back lawn. We didn't really feel as bad as we would have felt. We were handing the microphone around. It was one of those shows where we were wearing... The people who brought backpacks were wearing them. And <laughs> they were ready to go Like as soon as they were done. I think I helped my buddy pack up the gear, and he was like, well, we can go. My coworker was totally like, yeah, we can go. And um, it was just kind of like... It was kind of like, wow. I never saw Penny that bar. Cover. Yeah. And uh, we, we, I mean, I never grilled him to see if he knew if it was coming or not. Now, this was a co-worker. This was one of the guys in your band whose co-worker owned the house? Man, at this point, I think she was friends with that. I think it was like a mutual friend type of thing. It was gotcha. like, she was like, hey, this is actually, this is true. This is what happened. She, she was like. Will you please come play at this uh, at my friend's house party? Like they need a band. They have like this other band, and they're trying to throw this big show. And I think, in all honesty, they re- that was what their intent was to have a big bash. And then I realized, I f- I mean, to this day, I feel a little bit of guilt for not promoting harder, which is weird because I know that then I would have felt bad if they had come, and then they would have been like their diamonds would have been ripped out of their <laughs> earrings if they had, or you know. But I was, I was like feeling like, oh man, they really wanted this show to go over big. They were hoping we would bring bling. Everywhere I go, I met so many people, done so many shows, and everybody wants a favor. Don't know who's my enemy and who's my neighbor. I break it down from the sky to the ground and realize which eyes it's always on the ground. The way I look at it, I got one life to live. So I stand by my torch, ready to burn this bridge. Every door that I've knocked on, claiming to be friends of a friend. All the bridges that I've burned, when will it end? All the fences that I've hopped, only to be stopped. Caught by the hostess, threatened with the cops. So it's back over the fence, yelling out, bitch. Sever those ties, burn that bridge. Fools think I'm shady, women think I'm slimy. Trick, try me. As I burn this bridge behind me with this torch that I run with You think I'm on some dumb shit I'm just party crashing and having fun with them beats and beers The weed, the fungus, the funk at a party I'ma squash it with one hit Still poop poop on the best pot rhymes to connect on beats to collect off Wreck shop at the party, direct shot fresh off the kitchen counter on to the next spot Everywhere I go I met so many people, done so many shows that was a little story by Nick V of the Party Crashers. You're currently listening to Burn That Bridge by the band of the same name. That's Nick V and Expel, hip-hop group based out of Oakland, California. Nick V is also in a collective called Press Rewind. We got some time uh, to spend with Nick V at his home studio in Oakland, California. 
So sit back and relax and enjoy another episode of Music Live Radio. I'm your host, Dan Sauter. This episode entitled Nick B. Party Crasher. All right, Nick, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing really good. All right, we're here with Nick V. He is a hip-hop producer and artist. His recent project is Party Crashers. We're here at Nick's house. If you hear a little baby, that's just baby Sonia. She's on the floor hanging out with us. Hey, Sonia. With, a, with Acacia. So, Nick, um, one of the first things that I like to ask everybody that I interview is, uh, what does music mean to you? What does music mean to me? Uh, I have heard your other podcasts, and uh, I've thought about it a little bit, but um, what does music mean to me? Music, I think, let's just jump to it. It's like a puzzle. Uh, I've been doing music since I was about 15, like doing music meaning uh, making beats, composing beats, instrumentals for people to rap to or rhyme to, because I, I also like to write rhymes, so I've been rhyming as well. So music is like an ongoing puzzle, you know, how to make a better song, how to make it compose a better beat, how to make a more intricate rhyme. So music to me is like a, is ongoing, it's like a creative process that is always ongoing trying to complete my next my next part of the puzzle learn something new if you will very nice so you've been out here in the bay area for your entire life yeah yes i have been living here in oakland california for my entire life 30 years how how did you get involved in the hip-hop community i guess first i just started trying to make uh rap songs you know trying to make hip-hop songs hip-hop beats writing rhymes trying to rhyme i mean we would freestyle and then we're like okay let's try to really make a song and then after that we started thinking we you know we should start performing because shoot we really love it and people like hearing some of our recordings we got enough you know we had kind of accumulated between uh we had a couple bands going uh my personal band and my buddy's band going and then we were like yeah we could Definitely do a show and start, you know, start performing our stuff live. That's cool. So it was a hip-hop band that you were in? Yep. We Basically, we both, uh, we had two bands simultaneously going. When I say we, I mean my, my present collective that I'm with, Press Rewind and Party Crashers. Um, we're a, a large group of friends who've been making music since we were teenagers, uh, and we started, yeah, we started doing, we just jumped in and started making hip hop like, uh, like we thought it should sound out of our, out of our mouths, mouths and out of our equipment. So you're in a large collective called Press Rewind, uh, but you've also teamed up with, uh, DJ Expel and you guys have created this group called Party Crashers. How did you hook up with, uh, Expel? We've had many faces of, uh, of our co- Press Rewind collective, but, uh, Expel came along um, and said, "You guys need a DJ," uh, and he's a really he's a really good DJ. And we were like, "Wow, let's do it!" I mean, he liked the stuff, and he was like, uh, "I want to rhyme." And we're like, "What do you have?" And we started doing this large collective thing, and uh, it was kind of it was really diverse. We had a few singers, we had a um, a handful of rappers, and three producers amongst all of us and you know a bunch of us shared different hats called these we had different roles i'm a producer and an mc i'm a singer and a beatboxer or whatever um and and we all kind of mixed around and did a bunch of stuff but dre and i decided that uh we had this idea that seemed to fit us pretty well 
and we would go with it as the party crashers basically because that kind of fit our personalities and we thought it might we might be able to make a project out of it basically you are considered an artist and a producer and an MC and expels the DJ what's the difference exactly it's just the difference that uh, he knows how to work the turntables and he can really spin a a mean set or a, a good mixtape, if you will. He's a DJ. That's where he's fluent at. I make more beats production-wise, like composing uh, in inside gear or uh, in the computer, making the instrumental that he can scratch to or lay grooves over as a DJ, or both of us can lay down rhymes that we write. So you provide the foundation that he can uh, do the DJing over the top of, spinning different records on top of uh, a core groove, and then you guys will uh, rap over the top of it? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a great example of how we pretty much can get down. We can make a whole album pretty much doing that kind of thing. There's some other things that I like to get inspired by doing. I'll have him spin together some some sounds or find me some samples and then I'll try to build something out of that like I mean really a purist if you want to talk about purist hip hop the DJ is the producer we just happen to make a good team together where I like to produce beats that sound I think man I think they slap but he thinks they slap too he just he's like you need a DJ and you know you need to I definitely soaked up a lot of knowledge from him and he soaked up a lot of knowledge from me so that he can, you know, he can make beats with his DJ skills and I can consider where I would invite him in more particular. Because I, I, you can't replicate the turntable, the turntableism. You can't, you just can't do it. But so I got to, that's part of the equation. I got to have him and he's got to have me because I'm just, I'm kind of, I, I like to provide inspiration and I like to give him a, kicking the butt when he needs it <laughs> yep how did you uh get the name party crashers i mean i've listened to your album and i kind of uh sense a theme throughout the music All right well i feel like party crashing is something we do you know maybe symbolically or whenever we present our music like um i always felt like well definitely i'm white and i'm doing hip-hop so you know, I know that I'm going out on stage and people are looking at me like that. We've known that from the beginning. And he's a he's a DJ, so he's gotten away uh for some I mean, for some reason DJs, you know, they get they can be tight if they're white. But uh MCs are put under the spotlight. You know, they definitely are as like, okay, so what is he saying? Or like why is he doing this is really the what people are asking. And uh Party crashing is really what we felt like we've been doing every time we jump on stage or, we, you know, you play your music at a party and people aren't ready for it. It's kind of like, oh, man, you know, and uh, always try to always try to just introduce ourselves as, you know, as authentic as we can and be like, hello, I'm Expel. Hello, I'm Nick V. This is my music. Uh, and we're we joke around a lot. So really, we became the party crashers because it's like, all right, we're going to make this music and we're going to. We're gonna make this music and we're gonna crash the party. So you guys are gonna rate us how you're gonna rate us, and if you like us, you like us, and if you kick us out the party, well, we're not surprised. Yeah, see, that makes a lot of sense to me now that you say that because when I'm listening to your music, I I feel that there's a you know basic theme in all the songs, like Top Shelf, for example, talking about taking the top shelf alcohol off the you know 
well, taking the good stuff and drinking it down. But oh, yeah. there's there's more to it than just that on a on a core level. I mean, I can I can see that you're going beyond that. I mean, do you incorporate that into a lot of your songs? I mean, the idea of party crashing, yeah, that's what we do. We're white guys kind of entering into a world that's a little bit foreign. Uh, maybe not so much anymore, but uh, it's definitely something beyond the the normal. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, well, top shelf qualities. I like that example myself. That's one of my favorite tracks. You know, when we're saying we're when when I say I'm trying to go platinum, I'm like I'm trying to go platinum. I really that'd be great to have a platinum plaque. Uh, but really, top shelf quality is like reaching for the best. You really have to just reach for that good shit. You're gonna get it. Shooting for your goals, for Shooting example. for your goals, really. Yeah. You know, it's some, you know, there, there, there's relevance on the album, I think, you know, or psychologically, if you break it down, the, the true party crasher is there to be partying with people for the same reasons they want to party. We want to meet them. We all want to reach for the top shelf. Let's convince the bartender to pour a round of that there and, like, let's get to know each other. Like, you know, break down some barriers. Top shelf quality is a really deep song. I, I think it's very cool. <laughs> I, think, I mean, I think it is. I, re- I was really impressed with the music, the beats, and and the lyrics. Uh, I thought it was very creative and uh, very catchy and creative. You asked the bartender for that shit off the top shelf. Now we always make the bartender reach for the sky. And we keep the bottle pouring according to when it's dry. The ice, if you follow me, I'm falling in a hot of This ain't no commodity. It's top shelf quality. That's top shelf shit, though we can't always afford it. My best rhymes are freestyle, never get recorded. If I ain't got it yet, the ice. I'm going towards it. There's no way that you can stop me when I'm going for it. So there's a reason why I'm not stopping myself. I just keep on reaching high to the top of the shelf. This is quality, quality, not quantity. Not quantity. But if you want to be the best, you need a quantity of quality. Oh, we overdo it with an overabundance of substance girls in the club getting their butts pinched up since six in the morning the day before we're just warming up we ain't performing when we do you will know it's over the top i keep it pyrotechnic because it's supposed to be hot so when you see me in the stretch i'm going out clubbing you can bet i'm party crashing and blowing my budget now we always make the bar take the reach to the sky and we keep the bottle pouring according to when it's dry the ice if you follow me i'm falling in a hot of this ain't no commodity it's top shelf quality now we always make the bar take the reach to the sky and then another thing that grabbed me was your album kind of plays like one story it's almost like a almost kind of a theme i mean you've got one song that leads into another what uh, inspired you to kind of make this uh the, the album the way you did instead of just throwing a bunch of songs together you did try to link them up together it sounded like oh that uh i guess that's kind of my mo i'm very theme based i'm very symbolism based like i'll do crazy things like get on the theme of rolling dice to come up with a you know to come up with a random beat and I'll just go with it um and when I see it working as a as a pattern or a symbol or something that works out good I, I like really cling to it and try to turn that into like a or you know it's like a diamond in the rough to me all my projects really since like you know the first album I had was like homegrown grooves and it was all about being hip hop made in your parents house you know doing the homegrown thing we're we're doing our stuff at home and then all of a sudden you know a couple years later after some whole bunch of new stuff has happened in my life i'm like okay i got a idea for a project i'll be the polter guy (laughs) i mean we put out an album called the polter guys meaning the polter guys like this was a theme that i thought it would be great like polter guys like the polter guys 
but we are the poltergeist. Yes, and we exactly. do comedy hip-hop, which, you know, Russell Simmons will tell you a long time ago, it didn't go over so well. But that was a theme <laughs> that we went on. We had horror, comedy, hip-hop. Like, I, I tell you, it was a cool album also, but in a sense, Party Crashers is way truer to self when I think of theme-based things, and that's why... I was like, let's do it, Dre. And he was like, I like it. You know, let's spin it like a slick Rick tells a tale, like the advent- the adventures of the party crashers. Um, I'm very theme-based. I will make a dramatic movie, motion picture, soundtrack-type beats and collect them away and try to play them to MCs to try to sell them. And they're like, wow, this is really powerful. When you were growing up, what was starting to influence you musically? What kind of music did you listen to? I mean, even before hip-hop, maybe. Yeah, like, uh, that's a good question because, like I said, man, I, I used to actually listen to a lot of movie soundtracks when I was in elementary school. And also, you got to, I guess, realize that there was a time when soundtracks would actually be kind of good collection of songs from a movie. Like, they would spend a lot of effort getting songs together. I guess I have a memory of a lot of 80s mixes. From it. I'm thinking I would listen to Ghostbusters, which had a lot of pop songs mixed together. I mean, yeah. it's all, like, pop, and there's, like, maybe a rap song, and then they're like, Ghostbusters are in control. Um, this, is, this is elementary school. I also like John Williams stuff, like, uh, you know, Star, uh, not Star Trek, that's Star Wars, um, you know. Indiana Jones and Jaws and like all the stuff you did with uh, Spielberg. I, I had like these compilations and I, I really liked uh, hearing the music separate from the movie. And I would, I kind of ended up blending the two ideas of like saying, okay, so there's this really uh, symphonic type of soundtrack and then there's this pop music col- mixtape type of soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I thought I was going to be a movie director. I wanted to be a movie director when I grew up. And then I realized that I could actually be a, a song director and, like, produce the beats and, you know, write my own lyrics or work with other people. So, on all in all, I guess I've blended everything together and, like, working with lots of artists. I like to make dramatic movie soundtrack-sounding beats so that people can rap over them. And my influences listening to all kinds of music, but the influences of the producers that I liked, how they have sustained their, you know, their seat in hip hop legacy is very interesting to me because uh, um, I always want to be making music, is what I'm getting around to. I always want to be making music. So whether I drop, you know, gold records every year for 10 years or I drop a super huge platinum record once every 10 to so odd years like some other producers either way in my mind you know i want to be searching for that big bomb platinum beat or searching for that one super beat that i think could make me a lot of money or could just be like a big breakthrough but always 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 producing when did you start recording what age were you at at that point and how were you doing it were you using like a uh, boom box to record to honestly it was like this total goofy comedy tape that I learned how to overdub on. Like sometime in 
Actually, early elementary school, maybe, just my buddy and I realized that, like, you could do one layer or something, and then you could actually overdub on top of that and put another layer of sounds. And then realize that you could turn your voices on chipmunk and tell a normal story, and it's hilarious because it's played back in high speed. Mm Mm-hmm. Once we did that the first time and we're, we played it over and over and over and it was hilarious, we just, I thought about it in my brain and I was just like, oh my goodness, like think about all the possibilities. I probably mentioned it to my dad and he's like, that's called multi-track recording. <laughs> and I'm like, multi-track recording, uh, what the heck? And he's like, well, he's like, that's similar to this four track here. And he happened to have this four track that he had, uh, used on some, 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 uh, recent project. I don't know how to where he. I don't know where it came from. Well, what did your dad do? I mean, why did he have a four track? Was he uh, into recording music or something else? I did some acting in Alameda with Alameda Children's Musical Theater when I was younger. Yeah, when I was in fourth grade, and he they videotaped a performance. I think he bought that to do the sound, like to edit the to mix the soundtrack into the voices that were recorded. I believe that was why. And then a few years later, I'm like interested in this, like some years later. And I'm like, and he's like, you can use this. And I'm like, okay. I think then at that point I got a drum machine at the pawn shop on Telegraph and Ashby. What kind of drum machine? Was it like a uh, Roland? The, the roll. Yeah. The Roland was it the 505. Yep. Uh-huh. And that has a MIDI out, and you can send it to any crappy little sampler that you have that has MIDI in, and it'll trigger it. And that's your ghetto MPC. And MPC, if you don't know, is a big, uh, in hip-hop, man, you gotta have an MPC. You gotta know how to run an MPC. It takes samples, it takes samples of drums and puts them across uh, 16 pads, and then it assigns samples of anything else you want. Instruments, samples of music. MPC, what's that stand for? MPC. It's a MIDI production center. Gotcha. So uh, you hit the buttons, it records when you hit them, and it plays back the sounds you assign. Yeah. And that right there is a major part of hip-hop, and MIDI allowed me to do that with the four-track. I realized I had to bring up... I learned I did take a little bit of piano when I was younger. Wish I had taken more. But uh, uh-huh. kids, stick with it and keep your back straight. <laughs> good, good. Uh, <laughs> seriously, that uh, Roland drum machine is very uh, popular. I I got one of those for our band, and I wasn't using the MIDI at all. We were just plugging into the four track and recording. We called it Mach Hein. That was our drummer that we listed on our <laughs> four track uh, cassettes of our band at the time. Nice, nice. And uh, it was a nice fat drummer, and you could program that thing to do all sorts of stuff. It was very cool. I learned a lot about production from the ground up by knowing that by hitting this button on the drum machine I hear a kick and by plugging in a wire to my sampler that kick sound is coming through the speakers as well as this new sound as whatever I plug it and then from there the puzzle began and I started thinking oh trigger this trigger that it's like the mad scientist dropping the marble in the top of this thing, and like <laughs> he has his breakfast all made up for him in five minutes, sizzling egg. And how did he do that? A marble, <laughs> a marble. What movie was that from? I don't, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know what movie that was. From. Okay, anyways, that was in the movie. 
So, uh, growing up, you started to do some recording on your own. You must have met some friends that were into the hip-hop music scene. What is the uh, scene out here like in the East Bay? Uh, the scene right now, I'm a little, I, and as you know, being a new father here, I haven't been out much in the last year to be fresh on the scene. I've been keeping up, uh, trying to keep my ear to the street. I think that everything I'm hearing from the Bay Area is actually really, it's pretty, it's always been innovated, innovative, but it's really innovative uh, in the sense right now is that genres are mashing up, like, artists aren't afraid to mix music now as much like uh, I'm not even talking about hyphy hyphy was a few years ago now you know Oakland uh, and oh the Bay Area is moved on to other things and looking for a new sound maybe okay but uh, when it was kind of sound defining as hyphy the Bay Area had this thing that kind of was being sent out a few years back Hyphy, what are you talking about when you talk about that? It was almost like a, a subgenre within hip hop that was started over here where these the beats almost sound uh they're really upbeat, they're really energetic mm-hmm. to the point where it's almost like party music like house or rave or, I mean, you know, like <laughs> it's really like flashy and the clothes are really flashy and it's like surprisingly it's like what are some of the artists that uh, you know of that are into hyphy? Okay, so Keek the Sneak and E40 had a single called Tell Me When to Go. And it had a great, it had a video, and basically this whole thing um, was a very big uh, single across the nation, which was great for the Bay. The Bay loves it when there's a single on the radio, yeah. you know? And this is like a song. It has a lot of 808s, some synth sounds, and sounds eight- that take you back to classic uh, yeah. drum breaks. The 808 drum machines. That's yeah. a reference is what a TR 808, which right, is a right. synthesizer that makes that a bing bing kind yeah. of sound. Yeah, like yeah, and the boom, the old classic boom. Yeah, boom. That I mean, just like uh, it was like these these breaks and these bells and and then E40's voice saying, "Tell me." Tell me when to go, like. Tell me when to go. Tell me when to go. Tell me when to go. Growing some. Imagine all the Hebrews going dumb, dancing on top of chariots and turning tight ones. Ooh, tell me when to go. Talking on my getro on my way to the stop. My second or third trip. Some Henny, some Swishers, and some Listerine strips. Dr. Green Thumb lips just to ease my thoughts. Not just the cops, but the homies you gotta watch. The moon is full, look at the dark clouds. Sitting in my scraper watching Oakland going wild, ta da! I don't bump mainstream, I knock underground. All that other shit, sugar coated and watered down. I'm from the bay where we hyphy and go dumb. From the soil where them rappers be getting they lingo from. Ooh. Tell me when to go. 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 This whole thing is like, alright. Everybody's getting together in a group, and they're cr- and there's a large crowd of people, and people are doing car stunts, if you will. Uh, 
And so the idea is that, like, a group... I mean, the energy is... I'm not saying the idea. I'm saying the energy behind hyphy music. Because I, I never really wanted to judge hyphy. Because some of that shit is catchy. catchy. It's catchy. It yeah. really is. Uh, but then there's a lot of the, you know, a lot of the really poppy stuff. But um, the energy is a group... The group of these youngins getting together and being wild and crazy... And I understand that energy, but I, I was, I'm now, I was the older generation all of a sudden. I realized yeah. that I'm not the 16 year old driving yeah. his car and I'm a little afraid of these you're people ghost riding the whip. You know what I'm like, saying? Like, I don't want to get hit over here. You're talking about like sideshows? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like the energy of people getting together and the music is, is, I mean, imagine yourself at a sideshow. You're about to do a stunt. You got to have your volume up. And it's got to be this really hyphy beat. I mean, meaning it's got it's got to be really gotta like have a high energy. Yeah. I mean, it also reminded me of like uh, Miami bass super music on some of it. I mean, I'm surprised these. Uh, I I was about to say I'm surprised these kids forgot to put on the voice. I'm surprised these kids didn't know. I mean, kids are going crazy out there, and we're like, good lord. Yeah. What is this new hip hop from the Bay? <laughs> and I don't disrespect it, but uh, I'm glad that for the most part it's faded. And because when something big goes across a nation, basically to sum it all up, when a sound sweeps across a nation and there are tons of imitators, it's all you know. It's hard to be in the same city when all these imitators, you know, are just trying to do the same thing. And the uh, sideshows in. Oakland, and I don't know if this is spread across the United States or not, but uh, basically a bunch of people get together kind of in an isolated area. It's probably, um, they probably coordinate through cell phones with each other and they get to a location and they have like a party and cars will be doing stunts, driving around kind of crazy, leaving donut trails and uh, people have been killed at these things. And uh, But it's a, it's a youth culture thing is what it seems like to me. I mean, yeah, for the most part, people are getting, they're just kind of word of mouth or word of, like, wherever. The, you got to imagine you're out there with your hot rod and you want to show it off. And, and there's central locations where people are used to gathering kind of, you know. I guess you could be shocked at, like, that it's happening in these, in public Places and people are getting hurt. Um, it's horrible that people are getting hurt. And there's music yeah. going uh, yeah. at the same time. I mean, that's... While the people are having the sideshow, they're listening to music and having a having a good time. And most of the time, people aren't getting hurt. But uh, on occasion, they do. And, and, and uh, in our youth, we've all done crazy, stupid things. It's just part of youth, I think. I believe... Uh, I believe there's interesting energy. How to see? I'm like, how do we sum this up? I think that hyphy music just took off because, like, acting wild or like, you know, no, wait, we can't do this. We, I can't. Now <laughs> I have to. I'm gonna write an essay when you're gone, but I can't do it on this. Okay, sorry. sorry. All right, you can do a follow up piece. It's all good. It's so interesting <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> But uh, so we'll move off from the uh, sideshows and the hyphy music and and whatnot. But uh, so so what kind of clubs uh, would you, will you play out in the in the Bay Area, or do you play out in the Bay Area, or wherever you're playing? Shoot, we'll play anything, right? We played a wedding in Finland. Um, we've done things like Blake's in Berkeley. We've done things like the Downlow in Berkeley on Shattuck. Uh, we've done things like the DNA. 
out in the city, which is a pretty big venue. We done same same clubs that rock bands or any other kind of bands are playing at, pretty much. Yeah, and then we've done random crazy like actually there's a difference between booking a gig like those places that I uh, named versus throwing your own show because often you try to gather up uh, yeah you try to get a venue like iMusicCast or some kind of party warehouse if you will yeah and try to just be like alright we're going to be the promoters as well let's go print up some flyers you know and that's cool too. I think with the party crashers, uh, we were hoping uh, to just crash the party and just rap on the kitchen countertop, literally. And then, you know, a couple of times we had great flow sessions, if you will. Um, we did a couple. We've done a couple house parties. Hit up some colleges. We've tra- we've sold CDs on the corner at Telegraph Telegraph <laughs> back in the day, definitely. And people would ask us to. They'd be like, you float right now. I was like, all right, we got to do this. Let's do it. We got to do it. Um, for the most part, definitely perform where we can. We had a weekly gig at uh, the Red Eye, and it, I I'm, would just say that it was a great experience because I learned a lot from it. We went for about eight months doing a weekly gig. Thursdays got moved up to Fridays. Wow, that's a long run. Do you have any good stories that came out of that? Oh, what's a good story? It's really good. Oh, uh, we invited some idol, um, basically the living legends, if you will. Aesop, if you're listening to this, dude, we've always we're living legends fans. Aesop showed up to do a show. He he was the uh, like the headliner for the set, and we didn't make any money at the door. Somebody had guaranteed him money. It was not us as a band personally. Yeah. Um. And I'm not sure exactly how that went down, but he was pissed. <laughs> he was pissed. No money for Aesop. Man, we bought him shots at the end of the night and, uh, like, out of our pocket. And we realized when that was going, you know, he we realized that, first of all, he needed the liquor. Yeah. But he was just cursing us out, like, shot after shot. And he became so belligerent that it became like, <laughs> why are we doing this? Wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Feeding like, the fire, huh? Dude, it was like a, it's always sunny in Philadelphia episode. It was like, why are we doing this? Why are we giving him the alcohol? Because we need to. We need to give him the alcohol. He deserves it. He deserves the alcohol. Give him the alcohol. We all have 20 bucks in our pocket. No, we don't. Like, oh, great. Now we're in debt. Like, I mean, we run up a tab at the own place that we're running. We're going to come back next week. And we're, like, like paying off dudes' drinks because we couldn't pay for it. <laughs> it was, like, this really... It sounds, was sad. Sounds like Blues Brothers when they were in that uh, country western bar and they drank so much beer that it had far exceeded the, the paycheck oh. they were going to get. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. I can make a lot of parallels to that. <laughs> that night was definitely... I mean, doors are... There was... That was a... It was supposed to be a big bang of a night. Aesop, who is this person? You uh, say he's, the from, he's from the Living Legend. I mean, they uh, the Living Legends are shoot. When you talk about inspiration, when you ask me about inspiration, seeing the Living Legends come up from the Bay Area, living right here, being a couple years older than us, and really just taking four track tapes that they sold on Telegraph to going now and they have you know they got their own labels they're really independent making great creative music uh 
basically they're a large collective. I'll name the artists that I could fly off the top. But Murs came out of there. Grouch came out of there. Eli came out of there. There's Scarab. There's Picasso. There's that's the that's producer MC. I mean, they all they all mash together. I mean, and and make collective uh, albums. They all have solo projects, which is really inspirational. Man, and the people I must forget. I know, I know that basically each one of us in our bands, as far as MCs, definitely respect them because being independent is like that's the platinum plaque that you put on your wall. When they've done it and they've traveled the globe so hard with so much energy and gotten such great response and sold so many records that they can. Live the live their lives like literally like they own like that's amazing and that's what we really thought especially because they're you know they got some they're a mixed group like I mean they're like you know Grouch Grouch and Eli are white uh that was enough for me basically as a white MC to be like you know that's really cool that they all just mash up and do their stuff and and get on the tracks with each other. Because that's how I feel like I'm living my life. Like, people aren't judging each other on my albums or whatever, you know. I like how they do their thing. Yeah, very cool. So, you're a new father, and how is fatherhood treating you? Um, Lots of musicians have kids. I mean, I play in a couple of bands, and uh, most people have kids, and it puts a little bit of a damper on trying to get together and jam, but uh, at the same time, there's a lot of value from that and a lot of lessons to be learned. Uh, has it been a challenge for you to balance work and parenting with your music? Um, I'm a relatively new father. I know that the last year in preparing for Sonia to come into this world, I uh, made a lot less beats, like less frequently sitting down to the computer to make beats. Uh, I think that it's just a temporary thing because uh, I, mean, I was distracted. Um, inspirationally, I want to get back and continue uh and i can because my friends who are shoot uh working on press rewind as we speak uh we have been working together so long trying so many goes again from the beginning you better just rewind in the beginning and listen (laughs) with a brand new ear because we're dropping some new shit this year uh basically uh, the old collective that started out when we were 15 gone through some morphs we had some band members come and go but uh, what's remain what's remaining right now are working on production for other artists because we want to make music for singers and rappers commercials and movies we're going big well, very cool. Thanks for uh, allowing us to come into your home and check out your home studio oh, and, uh, and do the interview. Uh, any last words? Oh, I would just say that uh, go out there, people, make some music. Everybody can do it. Um, that's how I plan to teach my daughter, you know, be creative in wherever you do, you know, whether whether it's music or not. I'm not. I'm not worried as to what she'll do. I know she'll express her creativity, and that's basically that's what I said. I hope I hope people will check out uh, my video and see some of my madness, 
see if I can't prove that from some random concept of throwing dice and making up rules as I go along, uh, do I come up with something? Uh, maybe I do. <laughs> I don't know. Well, excellent. Thanks again, Nick. Thank you. All right. You can check out more of Nick B's music at MySpace Music slash Party Crashers. We're going to take you out with a little track by the Party Crashers entitled Uncurable. Can I top last night? Watch me try. Looking for a bigger party tonight. Watch me find it. That endless buzz and thirst just because. Can't fight it. Uncurable and I like it. How can I top last night? Watch me try. Looking for a bigger party tonight. Watch me find it. That endless buzz and thirst just because. Can't fight it. Uncurable and I like it. First off, I must apologize for anything I did that was out of character. And if I flip my lid, I must have pushed it too far. At the bar, I'm sorry, but tell me you grab my credit card and the keys to my car Cause all I remember was feeling like a star, now I'm not feeling up to par I'm a genuine dude, I'm not into being rude, so my bad You know for eating all your food, and I know that don't excuse me from peeing in the pool And that includes a spell, cause he did it too We're either bad influences on others or each other We're like brothers from different mothers, unlikely to recover Beat the tracks that we covered, reverse to discover That in fact we're just two down to earth motherfuckers Any moment that you're party making history is this You ain't never seen a team so logistically legit Party crashers bring love like a handle and a fifth Save the day, then wake up and can't remember shit I tell the mirror, man, you gotta get a grip But the mirror tells me that a shot has never missed So I can't be cured, though I can't be sure I'm halfway swerved, so hand stamp me sure Back at it again, night after night Party crash with my friends, why not? You can't fight it We show up uninvited and rappers delighted It's dynamite and we just ignited it As PC as a motherfucker need to be I walk through the front door puffing on greenery The never-ending buzz that I quest To put the last party to the test so keep it you and put a piece in the air And I guarantee I'll see you there How can I top last night? Watch me try Looking for a bigger party tonight Watch me find it That endless buzz and thirst just because Can't fight it Uncurable and I like it How can I top last night? Watch me try Looking for a bigger party tonight Watch me find it That endless buzz and thirst just because Can't fight it and I like the it. second I lift my eyes, reality strike. My head throbbing is the product of a hell of a night. I can tell by the likes of the night. Still on my feet, and that half glass of water I spilt in my sleep. I couldn't tell you who, what, when, where, or why. But the scuffs on those nights, I came to realize that these days made me the man I came to be. Went from 40s on the porch onto something amazing. That top shelf quality's got me in a zone. Sometimes I feel like I don't wanna go home. I'm grown and acting two years old. So many stories told me. Where to begin? Grab a bottle and a pen, crank the volume to ten, and then answer the door and be like, come on in. Straight shots to the face, not a drop to waste. It's just a tailgate to this marathon race. Yet I'm a sprinter, I guess that's why my liver hates me to this day. Can't stand in the liver, man, I drank the river and stumbled through the unknown. Partied in our tank tops until the sun gone. Out the side of my neck till my face hit the deck. Wake up in the morning, got all my teeth left. And birthday's the worst day to rock the show. Pouring liquor down my throat. Trying to rip my flow Got my clothes a mess Got my breath on hit Got my fit to pass So everybody take a sip Cause I'm the type of guy That likes to have a good time So why can't I rap And act all benign I'm trying to make the best Out of bad situations You can stand in the dark I might spark conversation What's shaking Making a mark 
We serving the community, can't break us apart. The party crashes, party crashes, party crashes, party crashes. How can I top last night? Watch me try. Looking for a bigger party tonight. Watch me find it. That endless buzz, thirst just because. Can't fight, uncurable, and I like it. How can I top last night? Watch me try. Looking for a bigger party tonight. Watch me find it. That endless buzz, thirst just because. Can't fight it, uncurable, and I like it. I like it. And remember these words of wisdom from Nick B. What is the hip hop community like in the East Bay? Fools are hypey. These fools are crazy. Crazy. They're crazy. They're, you know, they're getting real hypey. They're ghost riding the whip. What can you do? So they're ghost riding the whip. <laughs> ghost riding the whip. That has all the alliteration you could possibly need. Ghost ride the whip.